you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Bulls takes it to no one in particular and now throws a pick. Intercepted by Michael Davis. Chargers do come with extra men on the rush. Throw to the sideline, up for grabs, and it is intercepted, I believe. No single signal yet, Derwin James. And the catch is made, it's a pick. Here's a pick, intercepted by the Chargers and Samuel. And Asante Samuel ducks out of bounds with another takeaway for this Charger defense. What did Nick Foles ever do to our producer, Justin Graver, to embarrass him like that? Three interceptions by Nick Foles in his return to the starting lineup. First start for the Indianapolis Colts. It wasn't close. 20-3. to The Los Angeles Chargers are headed back to the playoffs. First time under Brandon Staley. First time with Justin Herbert. But the second time this year that I've got Jordan Rodriguez with me on a Monday night recap. Jordan, you cover the Rams for the Athletic. Your team not going to the playoffs this year, but the other resident of SoFi Stadium, the Los Angeles Chargers are there. I know. They're just maxing out that stadium, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I, I had a lot of fun on on here with uh, when we talked about Raven Saints. Feels like years ago at this point. I felt like I was kind of bugging you because I wanted to be back on here um, talking football and getting to watch other games other than the team I've covered that's uh, five and t- five and ten this year. But um, although they were pretty fun on on uh, they were Christmas with the fifty burger made my daughter happy. But yes, we're uh, talking that's a uh, fifty Krabby Patties. Thank you. Greg. Oh, there you go. I love that. <laughs> uh, the Chargers, though, in an uninspiring game for the most part in terms of its competitiveness because of the Colts' offense, uh, get the job done, and they're they're celebrating. Uh, it's a big deal, 20-3. to three. And, yeah, I wanted to have you back, Jordan. You, you're one of the best uh, guests we've had on. Everyone loved hearing uh, your football takes. And this Chargers team has gotten a lot more interesting, I think, over the last month because of the defense. That's where I'm going to start. I know they were going against Nick Foles, but they still only gave up 10 first downs and 173 yards. They've played really well now three straight weeks. Brandon Staley... The old Rams assistant has been in his bag. Like, what what have you seen out of this Chargers defense lately? Yeah, it's been really interesting. Maybe it was something about watching Sebastian Joseph Day um, really occupy and sort of disrupt space at the nose, or, you know, maybe it was Brandon Staley on the side. It's something about the way that they've been playing, especially some of the coverages they've been using. That Miami game I thought was really well coached. And then they've really brought it home um, defensively the last few weeks. There was something about that that I had this weird deja vu with that Asante hmm. Samuel pick. It, it looked like, you know, the way he dropped off that overhang and, and sort of just like read 
knew what the concept was going to be before it totally unfolded. Explain what overhang means to the listeners. Just when they're on the when they're on the outside of that sort of shell that they play in, and and the corner is able to even when they're if they're in a zone or even if they're in some sort of hybrid uh, of a of a match zone or something like that, um, you're allowed to sort of be free and flexible if you're playing the way that Brandon Staley wants to play. You can pattern match. You can do different things um, with a little bit more autonomy if this thing is uh, evolved and playing the way that it's supposed to play. And so it reminded me a lot of Darius Williams Rams 2020 Mm -hmm. um, had like the season of his career, made a bunch of money after that season um, because he just was taking the ball away on similar such concepts when he's just dropping in and, and disrupting and, and sort of matching and and playing with vision and and free like that. And it's fun. I think they've been fun to watch this, this defense it's supposed to be alive. It's supposed to constrict and suffocate over the top of routes. And it's also supposed to really disrupt in that way. And it's supposed to evolve and, and sort of really empower the players. And it mm. what, that's kind of what I see over the last few games. And it, uh, my colleague, Daniel Popper at The Athletic, he's written a little bit about the players meetings that Kyle Van Noy has been leading and those types of things. That really reminds me of sort of what this ethos of this thing is supposed to look like. And um, that's kind of it, it also does describe <laughs> What you said is Brandon Staley being in his bag because this is what his vision is for something like this. Right. It's why I think this Chargers team is a fun playoff team other than the fact that Justin Herbert wears a Chargers uniform. Any any team with Justin Herbert's on it is going to be box office. I can't wait for whatever the matchup's going to be. It could be Herbert versus Lawrence. It could be Herbert versus Burrow. It could be Herbert versus Mahomes or Allen. But the defense is the reason why I think they're a real team. They, they've made it to nine and six. And the way you described it um, really, I think, points out how the coverage is starting to match the pass rush. And they just haven't had much of a pass rush for most of the season. Today, they have seven sacks. And again, I know playing the Colts and Titans in back-to-back weeks is a huge factor in this. It, I mean, it, it really is. But they weren't the type of defense, I don't think, earlier in the season that could beat up on bad offensive lines. And they end up with seven sacks today. Some are from the linebacker level with with blitzes. Drew Tranquil, Kenneth Murray, uh, Van Noy, I think, got in there. Some is from Rumpf and, and Mack. And Rumpf has been playing better as the second pass rusher. Joey Bosa could be back for the playoffs. So they, they're getting heat. Nick Foles didn't have a chance back there on some of these plays. And then the secondary, to your point, I think is playing with more freedom. Sante Samuel wants to be a ball hawk like his dad was. 51 interceptions. I looked it up uh, tonight for his dad. So he's got 47 to go. Asante Jr. is only at, at four right now through through t- two seasons. Uh, Derwin James, we can talk about his ejection uh, later, but that interception that he made was fantastic. And I just think, this is a defense that has playmakers at every level. I consider Tranquil a playmaker. You get Bosa back. Joseph Day has been back. I, I think they found something in um, in their defensive tackle. How do you pronounce his last name? Uh, Semi uh, Fahotu. Uh, he's played well lately. It just feels like they're a complicated defense. Tell me if I'm wrong. It's it's like a lot going on, and they want to change up who they are week to week in a different way than Bill Belichick does, but on some level that way. But you need to have like a team that really understands what they're doing for that to work. And for much of the season and much of Staley's career and 
with the Chargers. It hasn't worked because I don't think they've really understood what he what they want he wanted them to do, and now it's working. Yeah, I think um, something that I learned about him when he was coordinating the Rams defense in 2020 was the way that he could explain and sort of give players the answers to the test, but then help them see it and not just, you know, hear it or be talking at them or showing them clips or whatever. It was really something that they, the players internalized. And this was something they learned, you know, basically over PowerPoint, essentially, because the buildings and and everything were shut down at that time. And the first time they ran it was like, you know, deep, deep into the summer when the building reopened um, post start of pandemic. And so I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he has sort of been relying on a little bit of those foundational points from his own career arc, especially as things have seemed to kind of in the middle there with injuries and, and, you know, just some, some lack of cohesion. It felt like on both sides of the ball. Um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if he sort of leaned into some of those foundational elements of the teaching part of this, because once players um, feel that they know the answers to the test, that's mm. really where you're seeing them, you know, jump over the top of these routes. And and like I said, they always have pattern matched in practice, but really feeling what it's supposed to look like and really feeling what it, it is to, like I said, have this thing have life in it in it. And like it sort of evolves and changes um, as the players feel more and more empowered within the system. And that's what that's what I see. And and again, because I watched a different variation of it, um, you know, very, very closely for for a year and then sort of dropped into this thing tonight, essentially. And that's sort of what I saw. Um, and, and yes, it's, you know, Nick Foles and, and the Colts and they're having their own problems. But again, like you said, it's, you know, th- your brain doesn't compute a team beating up on this O-line with how much has been invested in it. They've not been good this year, but your brain like does not compute the lopsided nature of, of what this thing is. And so this was a, a, you know, a game that this defense did need to completely assert itself and completely dominate. Um, and they did. And I think that that's a credit, like, like you said, um, Brennan Staley being in his bag the last month or so, but I think over the years we've seen wherever this defense has gone, it's gotten better. If it's supposed, if it's doing what it's supposed Mm. to do, like I said, if it's evolving and, and becoming more alive and empowered with the players, it, um, it definitely gets better as the year goes on. That's what it's supposed to do. So I think that's an important part of this too. That's very Belichickian too with his old defenses that they would improve in December. And again, yeah, it's the Colts. But they dominated the Colts offense more than the Vikings did, more than the Cowboys did, more than the Steelers did. I'm thinking of the the Jeff Saturday era, even more than than the Eagles did in terms of yardage, in terms of points. So th- that's all you can do is play the team in front of you. I, I can understand why Brandon Staley is pumped up right now. We're seeing kind of the reports of them celebrating uh, our colleague Bridget Condon, who's been on this show, saying she's never seen like a locker room like this with the Chargers. And it makes sense. It's a big deal. Making the playoffs. Music, playing, everyone's celebrating. The Colts reporters are like, oh, wow, this is what a, a happy team looks like. You think about Staley, and they've had some winning. It's only been two seasons, but it wasn't that long ago that we were sitting at 6-6, six and six, and Sean Payton is having his sources tell the media that he's looking at LA teams and that's that's Brandon Staley because there's a Super Bowl winner in the other other LA ta- ta- uh, team and who knows maybe, maybe McVay could have a surprise retire and that's what Peyton's thinking but I think he's thinking the Chargers and, and 
they're at six and six. They're heading to a stretch against the Dolphins and the Titans, who at the time were looking like world beaters. And I was thinking, like, this is a big moment in his career. So I, I totally get why they are celebrating. And it's the first time, you know, since they moved to SoFi that they'll make the playoffs. They did make the playoffs one time uh, their first year technically in L.A., although they were down in, in Carson with Phillip Rivers. But anytime you can get to the playoffs first time in five years, it's a big deal. Do you have confidence, though, in where their offense is? This is a limited sample size I know you're watching tonight. But I think this was a good sample because I think the Colts yeah. are – a good defense. They're not a top five defense, but I would put them in the five, the six to ten range. A really good defensive line who who played well tonight. How do you think the the Chargers' offense stacked up against them? You know, I did I did do a lot of research coming into this because you know me, Greg. I like to be prepared, and then I go down Too prepared. These, like, Too prepared. I go down these like we're. I get so excited about just random details that I find, and then I just go down these rabbit holes of of information gathering, and like most of it I don't even use, but it just sits there in like a Google Doc. But <laughs> I I had it written down at one point. I wanted to bring up the point that uh, total superstar and the brilliant Mina Kimes brought up about. Um, Justin Herbert and, and moving his pocket and um, getting him going in some of this like boot action and some of these types of things where he can throw on the move and it helps his line. And um, you kind of already, you didn't see any of that to open the game. And um, you know, the, the, the other thing three, that was really, straight three and outs to open the game though. <laughs> yeah. And, and especially coming after interceptions on the other side, I mean, it just was like this sort of gasping n- feeling that you just didn't feel like anything was comfortable. It felt like what it feels like to be like sitting in a doctor's office and your like shoulders are clenched. That's what it felt like watching this group. And it shouldn't feel like wow. that. You gotta Is freaking, that in the gotta, Google doc? You got to freaking no, it's not. That's not in the Google doc. That's but just I'm, like, off the dome. Up, that's I'm, good. I'm like clenching up talking about it right now, like on the screen, like my mm. fists are clenched right now. And you got a freaking Lamborghini at quarterback. And it's just, it's, it shouldn't feel like that. Right. And, and it's interesting because, you know, I'm, I'm not really the type, especially if I don't, you know, as a beat, I'm a beat writer. So I, you know, I know my place and I'm not going to sit there and go scorched earth on another team's coordinator or anything like that. But I do think that it shouldn't feel like that. And it was really noticeable. Like they live and die only on these third downs. And it, that shouldn't be the case. Since he got there. It's, it's since and, he got there. And they're there. not, but they're not, they're so dependent on converting specifically on third downs, no matter what the down and distance is. And usually it's not super advantageous. And even so, that's such a low probability position to put your quarterback in, even if he can do it. So there's like multiple things that are true. Like, yes, he can do it. He can make the hard throws. He can convert the crazy downs that, what was it? Third and 13. And it was 16 yards. And like, it was a really nice a, play. That and, was on a, after a second in 21. That was, that was one of yeah. the key sequences on their first touchdown drive. Super disadvantage, disadvantageous spot though. Even if your quarterback can do it, doesn't mean he always should have to be in that type of, um, you know, live or die kind of mode in that regard. And I think that that's been so interesting. Like, you know, the, the managing the down and distance, they've been so something like 66% of their conversions are coming on third down. And, and like, it's, it's really, it's really lopsided. And it's, it's something where, you know, if, if you can, I know they've had troubles running the ball and all that stuff. Austin Eckler, by the way, love his guitar celebration. I think that's like one of the best ones. Iconic. uh, He gets to do it so often. I know iconic and, and he scores, he scores really well and, and all of that. But in terms of that overall, like I know they've had some troubles with the run game, but in terms of, Hey, 
you know, get your, have your quarterback just drop back and, and try to make something happen to me, just because you can do that doesn't mean you always should. And and that's why my shoulders are clenched. <laughs> right. They went eight for 18 and third down. Yeah, so that's right, very, because, that's very right, good. It's, still a low prob- it's good, but it's still a 50% probability rate. Right. Like, you don't want to get not a high probability. And they, rate. That's been his whole career is waiting until you get to third down and let Herbert make a play. I mean, it is much better than the Colts who went 0 for 10 on third down. They went a whole game without getting True. a third down. And I was like, man, that's brutal. When was the last time that happened? I was like, oh, yeah, six games ago with the Patriots. Uh, the Colts went 0 for 14 on third down, and that got Frank Reich fired. Uh, so they're not going to fire Jeff Saturday after this one, but I think Jeff Saturday's chances of keeping this job really uh, dissipated around uh, the fourth quarter of that Vikings-Colts game, and, and tonight did nothing to change it around. When we talk Chargers, a lot of times it, it feels like it's Justin Herbert Nation, of which I'm a card-carrying member, like coming up with reasons why people are holding him back. In this case, Joe Lombardi. And you can absolutely go scorched earth on uh, Joe Lombardi because you're not a beat writer in this setting, Jordan. You're a podcaster (laughs) and we're totally irresponsible. We answer to no one. We're beholden to no one. Well, this is why I get to just like giggle delightedly over some of the really epic Mark Sessler rants over the years. Um, but you know, from Football afar, is it's like different than basketball. It's it's true. It's like you don't want to get. That's true, Mark. You don't want to get too close to the sun. Like Mark flies real <laughs> close to the sun. All he the does. Time. It's dangerous. It's dangerous uh, <laughs> sitting next to him. But I I love him for that. But I noticed. Uh, on just my Twitter feed after the game, we're waiting uh, to start the show, and I had you know tweeted how I was excited to see these possible playoff matchups with Herbert, and all the responses are about like Herbert essentially not belonging in a matchup against Burrow or Allen or even Trevor Lawrence. That like he's a ton of comments. It's like, he's not even an above average quarterback. Did you watch tonight's game? Like, what are you talking about, man? And I'm thinking like, this game is a perfect example. If you watch this game and you think that Justin Herbert's a bad quarterback, you're bad at watching football. Like, he that's a take I agree with. Right. You're, you're bad <laughs> at it. Like, I'm not saying that he was perfect in this game, but through three quarters, next gen stats had him as the most pressured game of his entire career. I don't know how that was in the fourth quarter or not. I didn't look for the update, but on 50% of his dropbacks, he was pressured and he sometimes looks like he's almost a safe quarterback because he has a Drew Brees, Tom Brady like thing that if he's getting pressured, he gets rid of the ball. It doesn't mean he can't improvise. He does that sometimes too, but he's not going to wait around forever. He's going to get rid of the ball, and that's a good thing. And oh, by the way, when you run a like a, a flea flicker and your receiver's not even really open, he can throw it 30 yards on the opposite hash without the ball ever like going five feet above the ground, and it's going a million miles an hour. And he had a few of those plays tonight, and he had the third downs that kept drives going. They had two long touchdown drives, and it it wasn't perfect. But to be under that much pressure, like people are crazy if they don't think he's in that category. But I guess people just have this thing in their mind that you got to win playoff games or else they just don't think of you that way. I don't know what it is. Yeah, the the interception was like a tip. Right. So that happens. Like, yeah, I know he's, he's thrown a couple of this, this, these last few weeks, but like the interception was a tip that happens. And then the fumble even, I mean, oh my God, he got sandwiched between 
two people. All on his four arm guys had pressure on that play. Strung out, yeah. L- literally, out, like, I checked next gen. Behind him. I checked yeah, next it, gen because that never happens. All four guys won because we we were kind of saying. Uh, uh, on our Channel 5 broadcast, shout out to all the UK viewers, that like, oh, why didn't he let go of the ball? There was someone open. And then you look and all four guys in front of him are right. losing their battle. You're going to accidentally, what are you going to do? All your linemen are now free, right? So what are you going right. to do? You're accidentally going to like dump the ball off to without seeing and it's, oh, it's a lineman. And then you get a penalty, you know, worst case scenario. But like it's, yeah, it, that, that was crazy to me. And then so that makes it a little all the more compounded why, you know, then they're not moving the pocket around and those types of things that could maybe alleviate some of that or at least keep the the opposing uh, defensive line off balance a little bit. And then also, um, you know, I, I understand, though, that it compounds because they're also having some problems managing the downs because they're not, you know, they are not necessarily running the ball super effectively. Um, you know, it's just it's a compounding of some of these issues. And then Herbert, Justin Herbert, I think when I watch him play, I think, um, you're never really thinking you're out of a series, regardless of what happens on it, because of what he can do and the throws that he can make. He's just incredible. And when it go, you go back to the Sean Payton thing you brought up, like, of course, this dude's salivating over, you know, anything <laughs> right. with a quarterback like that. Right. Like anyone in the come league. Be the car- come be like the that. offensive coordinator for the Chargers, Sean. You know, if you want to live in L.A., work under Brandon Staley. You're dressing him directly now. I love it. You're spicy. You're dressing directly. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying, if he wants to coach Justin (laughs) Herbert and he wants to stay in L.A., like, uh, flip it up. I know it'd be awkward. Joe Lombardi used to be on Sean Payton's staff back in the day. Uh, So it all all connects. More awkward things have happened in the NFL today, Greg. Today alone. That is is absolutely true. But I think you're right. I mean, you're absolutely correct. Like, Justin Herbert is incredible and you watch him do some of these things, even like I said, in the most low probability situations, like that's, that's the thing that I think people don't always factor in when they're watching him is some of the things he makes happen in the lowest probability situations should not, he should not be as consistently good at like a human should not be as consistently good (laughs) at making things happen in low probability concepts. And yet he is doing that over and over and over again. And I think that one thing that's different about him right now is that he has Keenan Allen. He has Mike Williams. He has Joshua Palmer, who's had a nice uh, second season. He's healthier with the ribs. Their offensive line can get healthier. Pipkins, I believe, was, was back out there. And they might get Rashawn Slater back before the uh, playoffs, which is kind of crazy. We actually might see him in week 18. So this Chargers team isn't perfect, but it is the best version of the 2022 Chargers team going into the season. A lot of people thought just roster-wise, they're there with the top three or four teams in the AFC. It's been a bumpy road to get there. They're going to have to play on the road, but I think they've put themselves in the best position possible to matter and and that's a big step congrats to the chargers i always have a soft spot for the chargers i was a big philip rivers fan and now i'm a herbert fan one to the next you can't really root for the chargers though because the rams i know you don't yeah yeah you don't you're not like you don't work for the rams but the rams are not happy with the chargers success that's what i'm gonna say not the players at the organization this week is going to be fun because the Rams are cooking a little bit. Ooh, a little I didn't bit, even think about that. They're playing this yeah. week. Rams, Chargers. And, and there's and there's not going to be, to me in my mind, there's not going to be any like taking snaps off or anything like that between 
mm-hmm. either group just because um it's just a, it's it's been a um since those practices like I said in 2020 with Brandon going against Sean's offense um it's been highly competitive and Ooh, it's been really fun that's good yeah I like that the Rams added a little juice to this putting up uh the 50 Patty Krabbies and uh Baker <laughs> playing well and the Chargers have something to play for it's 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 not the Biggest games in the world, but they finished with the Rams and the Broncos, so they have a real chance to finish with a five-game winning streak, which, if nothing else, especially playing another two compromised offenses in a row, can really put some wind in their sails, could possibly get them up to the five seed. They cannot be the seven seed. That is clinched. They are either the five or the six, so they would have to pass the Ravens to get to the five. That would be a better spot, I think, for the first round because you'd play at the AFC South winner, the, the Jaguars would be favored to be that team right now, but that'll come down to week 18. So they're going to try to get that seed. They're going to try to keep uh, the good vibes going. Not much to say uh, about the Colts. I I feel bad for uh, everyone there. They've been outscored in the fourth quarter under Jeff Saturday, 90 to nine, and their defense has played Great all year, and I was sad to see Nick Foles throw three picks like this because it's quite possible, Jordan, and we'll move on quickly. If you have any Colts thoughts, tell me them. But um, it just occurred to me, like, man, Jeff Saturday might be putting Nick Foles and Matt Ryan's careers to bed in, like, the most depressing two way possible. One. Yeah, he's, like, getting two for one, just swept aside. I mean, it's, it is. Cause I don't know. I don't know for sure if we'll see another Ryan start. I would guess Foles will start next week uh, because he, he said he didn't consider bringing in Sam Ellinger. And it's like, why I keep spinning this wheel, but we'll see. Yeah. I like the Colts defense a lot. Actually. I had, I did have fun watching that. Okay. Give me a couple, give me, I know you got something written down by them. They, They are, they are a great front line. Well, I just like the, the concept and the theory behind what they do. I think that like they kind of knew that again, the Colts or excuse me, that the chargers were going to have some trouble with their down management. And they sort of keyed in on that with some of the coverage structures they were playing. And um, they really capped, uh, you know, I think Justin Herbert of course is incredible. And I think, you know, there's some explosives and all of that, but especially in some of the, when the game was a little bit tighter and and there was just some uh, just a little bit of cloudiness and a lot of, um, kind of constricting downward out of that umbrella shell that they, mm-hmm. that they like they to really play. They really took and, away the outside throws to, to Williams yeah. and Palmer. And he's so, Justin Herbert's so good at those. And um, it, those are such money downs for them. And I think that um, being able to, like I said, keep those guys on the overhangs really, I'm like gesturing wildly over here, keep those guys <laughs> on the overhangs really disciplined and then they'd always constrict inward and they'd always constrict down. And I think that's that's a really good way to play aggressively, even if you're going to play in a shell. So that that mm. to me, I, I thought was fun to watch. And I, I, I like them. I mean, I you know, I've always enjoyed watching Stefan Gilmore play. And I, I like that. You know, I like the Colts defense. They, I feel bad. They are, I feel like I'm just watching some Sisyphean Sisyphean effort every single time. Right. There's a reason uh, why they, they get crushed in the fourth quarter. They they wear out and they they really have been a. I I was actually kind of making a mental list during this game, and I would have them like they'd they'd be like the seventh best defense in the league. A nice little comeback season for Gus Bradley, who's bounced around the last couple of years, including uh, with the Chargers. He might have been their defensive coordinator the last time they made the playoffs. To 
bring it all around. I could go check. Time that. is a flat circle. But time is who, a flat circle. But it's but uh, really I, they got good to. pressure too. They did. They got pressure in a lot of different ways. They got like like they totally just brushed past the you know whatever the Chargers were doing to try to set those protections and um you know like I said stayed really disciplined on the back end and I just it was I thought it was a good game plan. It's too bad they couldn't score on the other side. And and by the way, Gus was that defensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator was Ken Wisenhunt. Oh, my God. And the the coach was Anthony Lynn. They won 12 games that year. They beat the Ravens in the playoffs. And then they gave up a 40-burger in the divisional round to the Patriots. And yet everyone says that Tom Brady was carried to that Super Bowl because they only remember the Super Bowl. And yet he put a 40-burger on the Chargers and out-dueled Mahomes in the AFC Championship. He wasn't carried anywhere. All right, that's uh, that's enough of Greg, do you that. think that your coworkers are going to start like putting a jar out for every time you bring up the Patriots during a podcast that's not about the Patriots? I don't think I do that. I like to remember the good times, though. Do you Let- want to? I know it's it's fine. You're working through some stuff. Like I'm here for you. I totally get it. Like <sighs> I am. I empathize. You're just it. Work through it. Feel, feel your feelings, man. I mean, I don't even like watching them anymore. It's just like <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, you said, by the way, that the shows lately. You said this off air. You 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 thought they were getting like spicier maybe no uh, i just i like the bits like i like the lock father bit okay. i like laugh deliriously every single time and like i think it's hilarious and then you could because I, I i listen to it i don't want i i love the youtube concept but i just i love no, listening who, i would never show watch i'm it. on the go yeah. but i um i love listening to it and i like i i can picture you guys as dan gets going i can just picture you guys sitting there just <laughs> staring at him and kind of like letting out those like those like sigh laughs every once in a while <laughs> i know like, i uh it's just so good and colleen's ai generated hallmark episode was fantastic oh my i gosh. mean i like I think all right you guys stop are- it i've become a podcast host that asked the guests to compliment us this is uh horrendous <laughs> uh to that point i I listened to an old clip of our last Christmas Eve show and we, we played a couple with, with our friend Chris Wesseling and I'm in the Chris Wesseling podcast studio and and the thing that I got listening to that was we miss everything about Wes, but man, I miss his laugh to those bits. You know what I mean? Because I listened to a couple and Dan yeah. had some jokes there and just his laugh. I know Dan misses that part of it too. It just added... Uh, so much to the show. Instead, I'm looking at Dan like side-eyed during that. Um, well, as a listener too, I mean, Wes, when he would laugh, like you felt like you were there. That's yeah. the kind of laugh that he had where, like I said, I'm always listening. I'm never watching it. And so that whenever he would laugh, you would just feel like you're sitting in the room and like watching everyone react because you can literally hear it in his laugh. It, <laughs> encompass- it encompassed not just what the person who made the joke was saying, but also the reactions of everybody else to that joke. That is really well said. An all-time laugh. We're going to go through my top six list quickly here. It's a simple one. We're getting to the end of the season. You can actually vote on the MVP top five this year. I've been pushing for that forever to happen. I'm not going to say I contributed to this happening, but I'm not going to say it had no impact. You never know. Why, why, why would I say that? So it's a list of five. I'm considering six right now for my list. I am struggling with four through six. Help me sort these guys. This is my four through six. No order. Joe Burrow, Tyreek Hill, Josh Allen. That's my four through six. Oh, man. Because I feel like with Burrow, you're going to want, like a lot will factor into these next couple games. They're playing each other this week. Yeah. And same thing with Tyreek even. I know he's not a quarterback, but 
it, they've I like got that two you big have games. Them in there. I like that you have them in there though. Cause I, so I think like overall I'd probably go, Oh, that's really tough. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I slice it. Someone's going to yell at me. It's fine. I accept it. But I feel like Tyreek in terms of, you know, I, I feel like you're going to go Josh Allen, Tyreek, Joe Burrow. It's nothing against Four, Joe five, Burrow. Four, five, six. So Burrow's six. It's nothing against Joe Burrow at all. I think he's outstanding. Like, I think he's so special. But um, I think that if you're looking at sort of like the season as a whole and you're also looking mm-hmm. at um, – I like to shake it up. I like the idea of receivers who are at that level of, of playmaker. Um, Justin Jefferson, I think, being one of them, too. I like the idea of receivers being included in these lists and these votes, especially, um, you know, how they have elevated everybody around them. That's the definition they changed, of an They changed MVP. this season, those two trades, yeah. Tyreek and A.J. Brown. Exactly. And it, and what, what I think is so interesting, too, when you're looking at an A.J. Brown, you're looking at Justin Jefferson, you're looking at Tyreek Hill – when you have a player at a skill position like that, that is that tier sort of at, you, you know that their their mean is elite and on a good day, they can become sort of like this transcendent presence on a field. Like you can build so much of your roster and factor in how you build your roster and, and the resources you put in and even the way that you draft and develop complementary players around talent like that you can change your entire team building model and your ecosystem around players like that. If you can keep them long enough and you can keep them healthy and paid. And that's what the Rams did for so long with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And it helped open up like literally the entire rest of what their ecosystem became that led to that Super Bowl win. And I think that that's a trend. That's what you can do with players who are maybe at skill positions, but they so transcend um, on, on their, on their good days. And on average, they're elite. Right. And I think I, it, that's that's really important at that skill position. I mean, I don't think it's at running yeah. back. No, well, this I'm saying maybe like there's the, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I just positions. mean it's yeah. changed. the The NFL's changed. I I do this wide receiver, the free agent list every year, and there used to always be great receivers on it. There's none this year because everyone's resigned. They're not letting mm-hmm. anyone get out there. Juju and Jacoby Myers and Beckham are, are the best wide receivers, and then and then it's a pretty big drop after that. There used to be teams understand that wide receivers have been undervalued for a while and now they're getting paid and everyone like got their laughs in about Christian Kirk making 17, 18 a year. That, that deal looks great. I think that that that's fine. If you can have a 15 million, $18 million receiver that's playing 800, 900 good snaps for you, like that's what it's going to cost now. And everyone wants three of those guys. And uh, yeah, I right now I would probably go Tyreek six, I really struggle between those other two. Josh Allen's running is so good. He's actually yeah, averaging. That's what I factored in. He's averaging it, yeah. more yards per carry than last year, and he led the league last year. Like his percentage of runs that are first downs is insane. He's gonna set a career high in rushing yards. He's only you know two hundred something yards behind uh, Lamar and and Hertz, or at least Hertz, who's over a thousand now. So it's like it's tough. Burrow's been made less mistakes though right now i might give burrow four doesn't matter jefferson number three on my list justin jefferson i like it i like it number two jalen hurts not not ruling him out although he's been two my whole season and now he's missed one game if he misses two that's probably it that to me that's a big chunk of the season he might be back this week though and then mahomes won hurts would have to do a lot over the next 
two weeks and Mahomes would probably have to stumble a little bit, certainly lose one of these games or be responsible for a, a bad performance. So that that's my list. I'm feeling good about it right now. And I think Jefferson feels uh, at, at the worst is going to be in my top five at the end of the season and get some votes here. Yeah, like I said, I like that re- like more players can get votes and I like that that's how things are structured. Thank you so much for doing that for all of us football fans. Greg, really, really appreciate your uh, you being the catalyst for that uh, movement in a league that is so slow to change. Um, and I really think that... Well, like, insp- I don't know if you've seen the pins we've been wearing lately. Probably not, <laughs> but they say inspire change. And that was that's really what I've done. That's your contribution. Wow, that's really impactful. Um, so, and I think I totally agree with your list. And I think... I th- I really liked this conversation that was sort of happening on the internet, uh, like uh, over the last couple of weeks about have we psychologically normalized Pat Mahomes? Mm. And I think that's such a fun thing to think about because he's just so consistently elite. Um, you know, have our brains sort of just like sort of um, almost like scar tissued over that impact layer. That he always not me has that that create, but and I and I'm just saying I appreciate it yeah. every time I see it. But it's but as a society, have we? I have agree. We like, They're the I best offense in the league. It was one thing when the Dolphins yeah. were competitive with them, but they are easily the best offense in the league efficiency wise. Uh, obviously, they don't have Tyreek Hill this year. It's because of Mahomes. It's always because of Mahomes. It's why they could get those draft picks to help the rest of their team, and he is playing outstanding, making it all work. He's my MVP. Uh, You're one of the big MVPs of the Monday night season. We've only got one more. Nick Wesseling is going to be my guest on the finale. Oh, yeah. Bengals. Bills. Best Monday night game of the season is the last one. So I'm excited for that. I was excited to have you, Jordan. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for coming on. And, uh, yeah, enjoy Chargers Rams. Thanks so much for having me. That will be a blast. Uh, Perhaps not as fun as Bengals Bills, but that will be a blast. And I always love uh, coming on the show, talking to you about football, Greg. Um, So thanks for having me. We will do it again, not just on the Rams. uh, And until tomorrow, uh, when we'll talk about all sorts of teams, probably not the Rams. We got a guest in the studio, Andrew Hawkins, uh, former Brown, my former co-host on Game Day View. Uh, is going to join us on the show. Uh, We're going to talk about our our favorite playoff matchups. It's been a crazy week uh, until Tuesday. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.